Browns were one of the biggest disappointments in the league in 2019, but the team is still overflowing with offensive talent. There's good reason to bet on a rebound in 2020. Welcome in to another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. I am your host of Fantasy Football in 15, joined today by Derek Van Riper. Derek, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to uh, talk about the Browns because, you know, this is a team that we had really high hopes for last year, and they disappointed us in a very big way. So I'm um, looking forward to talking about how things might be different this time around. Yeah, same here. We're a little more than a week into our State of the Team series, and we are joined today by our Browns beat writer, Zach Jackson. Zach, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? We're doing okay. Like Derek said, we are very excited to talk about this team. This was a team that had high hopes in the real world, high hopes in the fantasy world, certainly with all the talent they assembled on the offensive side of the ball, and it just didn't come together for the team. Out is Freddie Kitchens and his staff in Kevin Stefanski as the head coach, the former offensive coordinator of the Vikings, brought in Alex Van Pelt as his offensive coordinator. What sort of philosophy should we expect from Stefanski, Van Pelt, and this team offensively? Well, I think Van Pelt is going to call the plays. Uh, I think Stefanski will be involved, and that is still unsettled. It's one of the many things. But philosophy-wise, um, Stefanski's last, or first year last year calling the plays, they were one of just three teams to run it more than they threw it. Um, and, and in Minnesota, you know, the run set up the play action. They used more multiple tight end sets than anyone in the league. And the Browns, you know, 30 minutes into free agency went and made Austin Hooper the highest paid tight end in the league. So uh, you look at Nick Chubb, you look at Kareem Hunt. Um, I think you're going to this is going to be a power team. And then what's really exciting is you still have Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, you know, on the outside. But philosophy wise, I think it's going to be run to set up the play action you know, run to set up the occasional deep shot. And I just think Nick Chubb uh, is going to continue to become a star. I was going to say not become a star. I mean, he is. I think Freddie is the only person that kept him from winning the rushing title last year, although Derrick Henry played really well down the stretch. Um, I just think everything is going to start with Nick Chubb. 2019, year two for Baker Mayfield was uh, truly a failure to launch season. He took steps back across the board. The completion percentage came down. The interceptions were up. Uh, the efficiency on a per attempt basis was down as well. He has plenty of weapons around him. So how does he rebound in 2020? Well, I, I just think his calling card is the accuracy. And for whatever reason or probably reasons um, that it didn't disappear, but it wasn't what it was. Uh, that can be confidence. That can be mechanics. That can be defenses adjusting to him. Um, and, and frankly, there are times I think he doesn't see. So, you know, if you think about an offense that allows him to throw off play action, if you think about an offense that allows him to get comfortable, and last year was just so scattered, I think in everything from game plan to execution to really not developing any strengths except handing it to Chubb, I don't think, you know, that Baker had much of a chance. So um, he was not awful for all of last year, but when he was bad, he was bad. And so I think if you say it's right in the middle, Right. He was good as a rookie. He was mostly super accurate. Uh, and that was too soon to crown him. And last year, probably nobody could succeeded in that. I think right in the middle, you have a really solid quarterback. And, and if the play action is truly his bread and butter and if he gets the accuracy back, um, 
you know, he can be a, a high 60s percent passer. He can be, um, you know, Kirk Cousins. I think he's probably more talented than Kirk Cousins, but, um, you know, we'll see. It, it is alarming because last year, you know, just you would just think any any player in his spot would be more comfortable in year two, right? Well, now his numbers look more like Jameis's after two years. So um, I, I'm certainly not writing off Baker. Um, you know, I, I think everybody probably needed to tap the brakes a little bit even before last year happened. But when I look at, at scheme fit and talent around him, as you guys mentioned, and add that accuracy in, I still think he, he could be the answer that everybody in Cleveland has been waiting for for so long. You know, of course, we think of talent around a quarterback being primarily at the skill positions, but what is in front of the quarterback matters as well, and the Browns made some big investments in the line this offseason. They used a first-round pick on Jedrick Wills. They signed Jack Conklin, the longtime Titan, to anchor down one side of the line as well. Uh, we know that this team has had some issues with protecting uh, Mayfield in the past, and certainly a quarterback of his size, uh, things can get exacerbated. Like you said, there are sometimes that he just flat-out can't see and maybe strengthening the offensive line is going to lead to that is all of this done with the idea of it puts the quarterback in a position to succeed and bring this team to the next level. I I think there's no doubt about that. Um, You know, I thought that they would call about Austin Hooper, but they were the team that was going to pay him more than anyone else was going to pay him. Right. Um, I thought that they would call about Jack Conklin. They were the team that was going to pay him any more than, than, you know, more than anybody else was going to pay him. Those two deals were done in the first four hours of free agency. It was rather obvious that we're going to take a left tackle. So there's some concern with Jedrick Wills, who just turned 21, who's never played the left side. But I think to sit at 10, not have to move up and get him, I think you're encouraged by that. So to me, guys, it's just a matter of last year was so bad from a discipline, from an organization, from everything everybody's egos getting burst at the same time standpoint that honestly, if the Browns can just get in and out of the huddle, they'll be better. But we're waiting on that because they haven't been together because they changed everything again. And cause you are putting in new players in new spots. So, you know, they got nothing from the tight end position last year. They're shifting to an offense. that's going to ask a lot. Uh, Nick Chubb got 298 carries last year. That probably wasn't enough. You know, Kareem Hunt played a bit role in the offense, and there were a lot of factors, some his fault, some his injury, some just the madness that didn't allow him to play a bigger role. So you don't want to take the ball out of Chubb's hands, per se, but you have got you should have two rushing champions, really, on your team. I mean, Kareem is, is an extreme talent and is playing for a contract. So, again, we going through this again, we haven't even gotten to Beckham and Landry. So, absolutely, the table is set for Baker Mayfield. And it's like, man, don't screw it up. And possibly, you know, he could excel. Yeah, I mean, Chubb's numbers before Hunt was back from his suspension last year were incredible. He was on pace for a rushing title, 803 yards in those first eight games. He was catching passes, 25 catches, 161 yards in those first eight games. I mean, Hunt really took away a lot of those opportunities in the passing game, especially, but also ate into the workload a little bit carry-wise. And I just wonder, how do those two players really coexist in such a loaded offense over a full season? Is is Chubb the kind of guy who's still going to come back and get us five yards of carry, but do it with a workload that's a lot smaller than it would be on a team where he didn't have such a, a capable person to share the backfield with? Well, that's a hell of a question, and I really think that most answers for it are fall in the good problem to have category, right? Because... um 
I think Hunt is a more accomplished pass catcher, but Chubb can do it. I think both can run between the tackles. I think we've seen on Nick Chubb's highlight reel that for a guy that big, he really pulls away from people. He's a freak athlete. And I think if you just go back and look at his story, if if that ACL doesn't happen, then the Browns certainly not don't ever get him in the second round. He's probably more like a top 10 running back. And then we look at Kareem Hunt's circumstances, who as a third round pick wins the rushing title as a rookie, right? And then falls, you know, out of the league and back onto the Browns. He had the, uh, you know, just everything on his plate last year. He had the groin injury in training camp that didn't get corrected until camp was almost over. Then he had to be away from the team for six weeks, then was brought into a practice situation where the offense was, you know, searching for an identity. Whereas this year he should be better physically. He should be better mentally and he should be part of all of those plans. So um, when you mentioned the first half of the season there for, for Chubb, part of me wanted to say, you know, a lot of that was skewed by the one game where they just rained on the Ravens and then the Ravens didn't leave again or lose again until January. But um, they had a situation where they lost a game to the Rams because they got first and goal and they did not give it to their best player, Nick Chubb. And also in that first half of the season, they had a game at San Francisco where they got blown out from the very start and didn't even compete in the second half to where even if he just gets 80 yards in that game, you know, he's flirting with a thousand halfway through the season. Right. So uh, I just think the world of Nick Chubb, but um, this morning before I jumped on here, guys, I was working on a piece on, you know, as everyone talks about Baker and talks about Jed Wills and talks about Miles Garrett, the guys that are under the radar and, and Kareem Hunt is certainly one of them because I just think when you look at everything that was against him last year and all that he has from a talent standpoint and all that he has to play for, um, you know, I, I could see him just being really good. I could see him being so good that someone trades for him. Um, or I could see him just dominating uh, in a role where he, you know, has to earn more touches and eventually forces his way onto the field, which he kind of did last year. But just like everything else, the Browns didn't stick with it. They couldn't uh, build on any positive momentum that they had. And uh, early fantasy drafters certainly believing in both of these guys for reference uh, here in early June. You got Nick Chubb with an ADP in NFC leagues of uh, running back 9, 13.96 overall, Hunt, RB31. So plenty of room, it seems, for both of these guys to find success this season. Uh, let's move out. Hey, can I stop right receiver. there for a second? Like, that yeah. baffles me. Like, uh, I, I would, and, and I'm no fantasy champion, but like I would take Nick Chubb in the first nine picks overall. So to hear him running back nine, that's absurd. Like he he is freakishly talented, and in going to be the focal point of a power offense, like that is absurd that eight running backs would go before Nick Chubb. Well, there you got it, uh, listeners. Uh, someone who's as close to the Browns as anyone, saying uh, that even in an overall uh, ADP of 14, maybe a little bit too low for Nick Chubb and certainly the way he played last year you could see him playing his way up into the top five at the position how about out at wide receiver let's talk about these guys for a second Odell Beckham's first year in Cleveland I was a flop by his standards by what the expectations were but still important to remember 74 catches on 133 targets 1035 yards four touchdowns he was still the wide receiver 25 and a half PPR league so not an Odell Beckham season but certainly not a terrible season either if we're just looking at the bottom line statistics, how in year two do they make Odell Beckham have the sort of year that we were all expecting him to have in year one with the Browns? Yeah, I think a tiny part of the issue last year was trying to make him a part. 
when what this offense had from a confidence standpoint was an offense that was driven by Chubb and Landry kind of setting the tone for everything. So I do think you have to force him the ball and you do have to get him in space because he can be magical. Um, he was not healthy. That should be good. Uh, he was not familiar with his surroundings and we know he's an emotional guy. That should be better. He has plenty to prove, um, you know, from that standpoint, a lot of guys excel in that. So, you know, I, I put it this way. I don't believe the Browns when they said we're absolutely not trading Odell Beckham. We love him and want him to be part of our future. I just believe that there was no sense in taking pennies on the dollar for a guy that they still think can be that good. So, you know, we're not talking about one down year now. Um, and, and we probably, I don't know where we include him on the list of, of great receivers in this league, but you know, over a pretty decent sample size right now, a lot of guys have outproduced him. But the talent is there. Um, and if the quarterback play and the offense are there, and you look at what Diggs and Thielen did in this offense last year, then then I think you could certainly have high expectations for Odell, both from a fantasy standpoint and from a, a real-life standpoint. Because um, even though it was a down year by his standards, and even though it took to the last game when they're getting blown out by the pathetic Bengals for him to go over 1,000, um, the good moments were still pretty good. You mentioned Jarvis Landry before. It was just kind of another quietly productive year for him. 83 catches, 1,174 yards, six touchdowns. The efficiency was up, eight and a half yards per target. Had a couple of years under seven, first year in Cleveland, last year in Miami. Wide receiver 13 in half PPR leagues a year ago. Is there any reason to expect a change in his role or in his output this season? Yeah, you know, just at first blush, that seems a little high. Um, he is coming off the injury, and even if training camp's on time, he's not going to be fully ready to go. Um, they did uh, give Austin Hooper all of that money, and they do have two running backs to feed. But Jarvis Landry is Jarvis Landry, and assuming he's healthy, and the timetable all along has been, I mean, he's not a guy you worry about being out there in training camp on August 1st, right? Um, knows how to get open, knows how to create, hates the slot receiver label, um, can play all over the place, blocks his ass off. Like, I, I really like Jarvis. Um, to tell you the truth, I know the Nick Chubb 298 number off the top of my head because I've written it so many times. I didn't know the 83 number off the top of my head, but I, I just think when Jarvis Landry plays a full season, 80 is where he's going to be, and it could be even higher than that. So, like I said, where will where will the distribution go? How exactly will he line up? Will he be full bore? you know, from week one in September, those, those are questions, but what he can do for you uh, for any offense, how he can fit and how he makes you better. And he certainly has the built-in chemistry with Baker now going to year three. Um, I won't be surprised if Jarvis is back in the pro bowl. Let's hit up the tight end position here. Again, a spot where we find, what do you know, more talent. The Browns picked up the fifth year option on David Njoku. As you've said a few times here, Zach went out and made Austin Hooper the highest paid tight end in the league. Uh, how is this going to work with all these uh, players, all these mouths to feed? As we've already talked about, two very capable running backs, two very capable wide receivers, one tight end who's coming off a big year in Atlanta, one tight end who hasn't quite lived up to what uh, people thought he might be at this stage, but still a very talented, athletic tight end how do they make all of this fit is there more room for two tight end sets on this team as you referenced a little bit earlier is Austin Hooper going to have a similar role in Cleveland that he had in Atlanta how does this all fit together well you know what his exactly his role is going to be and how it compares to Atlanta you know I don't know 
Um, I do think the Browns might be like the Falcons in that they're going to score a lot and their defense is going to give up a lot. And, and maybe he's going to have some wide open opportunities in the middle of the field because defenses are covering other guys. But if we start, you know, kind of at the core of it, they didn't pay him 23 million guaranteed to block. Right. And the joke, can't block either. So um, there's going to be a blocking tight end in, uh, but Austin Hooper, I think will be on the field all the time. We know that he is a reliable chain mover. Uh, we know he's a guy that has just gotten better and better in terms of stats um, and probably just as an overall player as, as he's gotten older and got comfortable with the NFL game. He's still very much in his athletic prime. Uh, and it's a quarterback that that loves to throw to tight ends and, and should love to throw to play action in, in this setting. So, um, you know, if, if I if I had to guess whose numbers would suffer because of the ball sharing and, and if if the Browns are going to be good and if Baker's going to be efficient and if guys are going to perform, then maybe his numbers go down compared to what they are. But the, the flip side of that is I think Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt and Baker Mayfield all think that Austin Hooper is, is going to be a guy that they feed by design and a guy that bails them out in the tough spots. So, um, you know, we have to see how, how all of it works. And, and last year it just kind of never – came together for this offense, but he is a clear upgrade on what was here before. And if, if Stefanski loves the tight end, the way all the numbers from his past uh, point to, then, then Hooper should be in line for, you know, a big year uh, from a number standpoint. And like I said, potentially becoming a guy where Baker knows where he's going to be and looks to go to him on those third downs and, and the other tough spots. Cleveland Browns certainly enter this season as one of the most intriguing teams, both from real world and fantasy standpoints. I don't think any of us would be surprised if this team put up a top 10 player at all four of the key fantasy positions. That's Zach Jackson. Zach, thanks for joining us here today. No problem, guys. Glad to do it. You guys can follow Zach on Twitter at Akron Jackson, and that's going to do it for us on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper and Zach Jackson, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow.